This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show, where we're always discovering how to make way more money and pay way less taxes. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of WealthAbility. So here's the question of the day. What if you find that you're in the wrong business or the wrong investments? How do you decide what you should be doing, whether it's for a job, for a business, or as an investor? Today, you're going to discover how to find your path to building wealth and, and the path that best suits you. So the path for some people is not the path for every other people. And we have a terrific opportunity today because um, I have a very special guest who has been a client of mine personally for several years now, and I've watched his story unfold. And I wanted him to share his story with you because I find it's just such an interesting story of where he's come from and where he's going and the whole journey through, and it's, it's not been painless, as you're going to find out. But I'd like to a special welcome to my good friend and client, Buck Joffrey. Buck, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tom. So, Buck, if you would, <laughs> so, so tell, just your story is so interesting because of, of, of where you started. And if you would, normally I have guests just tell a little bit about their background. I actually like to know more and would like to pursue this story of yours because you've gone from a, you know, a professional basically in one area to a professional in a completely different area over the, over the last few years. So tell us, you know, kind of where, where this whole journey started from and, and why you started to make these changes. So yeah, that's uh, yeah. It's, it's uh, obviously uh, kind of a complicated story, but let me just start out by saying that you know I was um, you know what you and Robert Kiyosaki talk about as the A student, uh, and obviously you are an A student too. And some of us get lucky and uh, we're, we we uh, uh, we reform <laughs> our ways <laughs> later on. But but bottom line is uh, I was a good student, uh, went to college and uh, started studying biochemistry and molecular biology and started thinking about things I could do. And obviously one of the things that A students, uh, you know, one of the things they often consider is medicine. So I went into medicine. Um, I have always been, uh, particularly back then, a pretty intense guy looking for the biggest challenge, the biggest um, you know, the, frankly, probably the thing that got me the most kudos back when I was younger too, you know? And so, um, went to medical school and, and, and decided pretty, pretty early on, listen, I'm going to go to the top of the food chain. So I decided I was going to be a neurosurgeon and, um, I, uh, you know, got the grades, got everything that I needed, uh, and got into one of the best neurosurgery, uh, programs. And I was on my way to being a brain surgeon. Uh, I spent two years in neurosurgery and brain surgery at University of Michigan, and then I um, decided I didn't like the hours. And at this, this point in my life, oh my I'm thinking to myself, this is the first time that I was starting to make decisions based on anything but pure ego. And um, it was really hard, frankly. And, but it was a good lesson because it, it continued to uh, it continued to be a, a re occurring theme in my life that if I could just kind of really dig down and figure out what I really wanted to do, I'll be a lot happier and I, I have to be able to give things up. 
So I actually ended up changing residencies. I uh, went to the University of California, San Francisco, and um, still surgical, but head and neck outside of the brain. And I did that. And I can't say that I was really passionate about it. I was very academic. I published a lot of papers, always thought I would be on the, I think everybody pretty much thought I'd be on the chairman track. But really what it was, was again, this constant desire to be really good at what I do and, you know, get get some um, uh, accolades for that. When I finished training, did fellowship in, in some, uh, plastic and cosmetic surgery, all of this years later, now we're talking, you know, uh, four years in college, four years in medical school, seven years of training and a year fellowship, um, all of that, uh, I decided uh, towards the end that, hey, I'm not really that into this. Oh, my so, heavens. Uh, bad timing. Right? You only gave up a couple decades at that point. Um, <laughs> right? But I wanted to start to, you know, I was starting to be open to the idea there might be something else. I, uh, you know, I had some cosmetic surgery training, and so I just, you know, I, I got a job in cosmetic surgery, and here's a funny thing that happened, and this, you know, people talk about their blue book moment, and I absolutely had one, and uh, the day I finished my, uh, I had my residency uh, graduation, a week later, uh, my wife and I are on our honeymoon, and then we're coming back from the honeymoon from Mexico, and I'm in Puerto Vallarta, and I've never heard of Robert Kiyosaki. I've never heard of entrepreneurship. I don't even really understand entrepreneurship, nothing. And the Cashflow Quadrant was the only book that didn't have a man with long hair with no shirt on it in the bookstore. Okay. <laughs> the, only reason I picked, the only reason I picked up the Kiyosaki book, because I had no interest, you know, I really no interest in financial stuff. I never thought I was. I considered myself a scientist. I read that book on the plane and I came off the plane a different human being. And as you described it uh, since then, uh, I realized that I'm really an entrepreneur who happens to be a doctor. Okay. From that day forward, all I did was try to create business out of what I, you know, I, I, I basically turned everything I did to um, into an entrepreneurial endeavor. So, um, I decided to start a business that mimicked the business I was into. When the company found out about it, they rightly fired me, which was probably the best thing that could ever happen. It was a little bit of pain and struggle to try to get my own thing going. But within a couple of years, I mean, I was making more money than I would have ever made as an employed physician, ever, right? So, so, um, so let me stop then, you just for a second yeah, there, um, yeah. uh, Buck. So um, I also was fired from a position like that. And, uh, you know, you talk a lot about, you've been talking a lot about ego. So how do you, you know, how, do, you know, you say it's the best, you know, it's the best thing that could happen to you, but that's now. Okay. Back then I right. suspect that was not the case. So how, how'd you work through that? Uh, you know, I, I think you just react to it, right, Tom? I mean, you probably know the same thing. You go through a myriad of different uh, emotions and, and part of it is that you feel like this is really the first failure in your life, right? I mean, I, for me, being fired was the first time I was like no. feeling rejected. Well, for sure, because you'd always that. been a superstar. Oh yeah, absolute superstar, right? And um, and so, regardless of what the reasoning for it was, I think somebody rejected said, "We don't want you," and so that was really painful. And 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 my reaction was really a lot of anger, right? I was just sure. really angry. That's natural. And um. 
And so at that point, um, you know, I had, but I didn't really have a choice in some respects because at this point I was fully aware of myself not being employable. I just did not Mm -hmm. think I could ever work for anybody. And so I said, okay, well, I right now at that point, you know, I had just gotten married. uh, Well, I got married, been married for about a year and um, we just had a baby. I didn't have much to lose. I didn't own a house. Uh, it was pretty much like, okay, well, you know, my oldest daughter, I've got about 18 years before I need to pay for, for college and I'm renting a house. What do I get to lose? So, all right. So I'm going to start this thing, all these ideas in my head. Let's, let's give them a shot and let's not do this the way everybody else does because I don't want to be like everybody else. And so at that point, it was a very, um, intense drive to get this done. Right. And I think, I think what happens with um, people who have that kind of intensity is they have to figure out how to put it to use. And for me, that's where it came. It was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I didn't know if it would work or not. I really didn't. And it was scary. But I also knew that I really had no choice because I knew myself. I had this one ability and skill so far that I could create a business out of. It worked. And once it worked once, then it was an incredible amount of confidence that I could repeat in multiple different businesses. And as you know, that's ultimately what ended up happening. Well, and, and that's a, I think that's a really good point to um, really hit home here is that, that first foray into it, that it just gives you confidence. I, I remember when I started my first CPA firm and I remember thinking, and I actually remember the conversation I had with my wife at the time saying, I don't care if I only make $30,000 a year for the rest of my life. I cannot go back to work for somebody else. This is so much better. And, and, right. and that, you know, that was like my big moment. And I'm just going, well, this is who I am. And what was interesting is I actually found, I don't know if you found this. Um, I had several people, several people I had been friends for years come up to me and say, it's about time that you started your own business because we always knew you would, what took you so long. And, you know, a lot of it, it's like you say, it's getting out of our own ego and you know, who we thought we were and getting to think of who we really are. I, I, I was um, coaching one of our, the members of our uh, wealth ability network, our CPA network yesterday. And I said, you know, business is a lot about personal development you know, we, we think it's all about numbers and money and, you know, t- techniques and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes down to it, we have to first decide who we are. And that's really what I'm hearing from your story. Does, I mean, is, am I reading that right? No, absolutely. And, and let me add one more layer to it, right? Because entrepreneurs, right? Entrepreneurs, there's entrepreneurs everywhere, right? But what's, what I think is uh, something that people don't talk about is that for extremely successful students who've always got positive feedback and affirmation from success in the traditional sense, it is 10 times harder to break away from that and do something unconventional as entrepreneurship. And that's why I think when Robert, you know, talks about A students, you know, A students working for C students and B students working for the government, I think it's where it comes back from because these students never really got that affirmation. They didn't really have anything to lose. But if you're an A student and you <laughs> like get everything that. right, right? 
Yeah, nothing you to got, lose. I'm gonna, to I'm gonna, lose. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that next time I talk to Robert and say, so you, you, you know, of course, that as a C student, you had nothing to lose, right? So, what's the big deal? <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, but listen, as an A student, everybody's telling you the greatest thing since sliced bread, and you're gonna be a chairman, or you're gonna go to the, you know, highest firm, and you, you know, you've got everything. You have the ability to do that. Backing out from that is a lot. I think, you know, it psychologically, is. there's a bigger step involved. And so I do think that that's why you see so many burned out doctors and burned out, you know, lawyers and stuff like that. I mean, some of the smartest people um, that I knew in high school and college, they're doing, you know, they're doing jobs that are really successful, but they're not very happy and they are terrified about trying to do anything else. And that's ultimately, I think, the golden handcuffs. Um, uh, problem. So short of getting fired, you know, what do people do? Because people don't really want to yeah. go out and say, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, you know, uh, you know, piss off my, my employer to, to get fired. How, how do you, how do you make that break? Well, I mean, I think uh, here's the thing is I actually, and I'll tell you, I don't, I don't really know that many people who, um, who made this decision on their own. So getting fired is <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing to do. But what I will say, but I will say this is that uh, the the other thing too, um, you know, I always talk about with our, you know, with my investor group and stuff is that if you know that there's, even if you like what you're doing, there's a possibility that you may not like it eventually, right? So what we need to do in life is to prepare ourselves for that moment when we might might want to break away. And so, you know. I don't recommend most, you know, that most doctors who are making, you know, say a half million dollars or something like that, that they just walk away and, and start something brand new. It's probably not for everybody, you know, that it, it requires some substantially, you know, big coronary arteries to do that and some stupidity as well. And, it, you know, it, it's sometimes a better idea to start thinking and planning to do something and building things on the side on a smaller level. And not everybody's an entrepreneur, right? I mean, that's, that's the other thing. And so if you're not an entrepreneur, but you don't really like what you're doing, what can you do? Well, the thing that you need to start thinking about is how can I, as Robert says, as you say, you know, start having that money, all this money you're making actually deployed in a way which actually going to be able to help you and work for you at some point. And I think, I think that's really where, um, where I think the majority of people really need to focus. Yeah, um, I, 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 I think I, 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 I think yeah. you're right here, Buck, that, that there are a couple of things. One is there's there's an you know, there's an emotional side of this, right? Is is who am I and and what I want to do. There's also a financial side of this. I mean, the thing about being fired is, is you really do have nothing to lose at that point because you have no job. You have nothing. And so, you know, starting you're just going, well, okay. You know, I mean I I've I've got nothing anyway. So why not do something? So what, what I'm hearing is, is, and this is what I see with um, really all of our clients, is that when you start building passive income, which, if, you know, you go to Robert's cash, Robert and Kim's cash flow game, where it talks about passive income and excessive expenses, and that's how you, you become financially free, then what it does is it gives you the freedom and maybe you can start thinking about it where you might not be willing to think about it if you have a lot to lose. And, and, you know, I think that that's a big issue here is that, 
you know, if you're making a good salary, you have a lot to lose by, you know, taking that leap. Whereas if you have passive income coming in to pay your expenses, you no longer have that big risk of loss that you would have otherwise. So I think that that that's a critical point for our listeners to, to remember, but Buck, I want to go back to your story. So, uh, because we, we, we got a little off here. The last we heard, you're still a doctor. So you're, you're being, you have your own practice, you have your own doctor, but that's the, uh, that's actually where the story started from my standpoint. I'd like to hear the rest of that story. Yeah. So, so I um, was doing uh, cosmetics, um, and I did that for a couple of years, uh, and you know, did well. Um, I I I ran it like a business. Did you know TV, radio, internet? I mean, I wasn't waiting around like a lot of folks would wait 20 years to build a practice. I didn't take insurance from day one, um, so I, I really was in a situation where I was like, I was going to either make this work or not. Um, it worked. Right. So I did well with that. And then I think um, I did get a little bit. Um, I did have a period in my life where I think I was started becoming that entrepreneur who was chasing too many things at once. Um, I did start another uh, medical business that was involved with a different, you know, different type of procedure in Chicago. And that was very successful. The initial cosmetic business, I was tired of doing cosmetics, so I walked away and I hired some people to do that. But from day one, I had set that business up so that it didn't require me. I never branded myself. I never wanted to be the famous guy. I wanted to have a famous brand in the area. And so that was successful. Uh, that allowed me to you know, start another business. Um, in the meantime, that was going really well, and I got a little greedy. And with the initial cosmetic business, I said to myself, well, why can't I do this in four other markets? I do this in four other markets, and I'm just going to, you know, finance the whole thing myself. I'm not even going to – I'm not going to go out there and raise capital. I'm not going to do anything. Well, uh, that's where I I got killed, right? I got killed there because I had no experience in scaling from one to four. I didn't – even though I was a – I'm an entrepreneur. I'm definitely not what I would call an operator. Um, I'm not a guy who's probably skilled in, you know, I'm not a COO, right? And um, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs have this problem where they have ideas and they learn the hard way what their weaknesses were. So that, that was really, um, you know, I failed there. Uh, luckily, you know, a couple of the businesses were still doing well. So even though I had lost, you know, millions of dollars, I was still doing just fine. I mean, I wasn't, you know, doing great anymore, but I was doing fine. And um, that loss, though, got me thinking to myself, you know what, I really need to diversify outside of this whole medical thing. Um, I had purchased some apartment buildings um, with money I had made relatively early after training, uh, and they were going really well. And I was like, well, why am I not doing more of that? And in fact, uh, in, in my past, you know, my, my dad uh, is a real estate guy has been for 50 years. And, you know, I mean, we never wanted any wanted for anything. I mean, and so uh, I was like, well, why, why don't I focus on this a little bit more? I really enjoy the process of, you know, looking at real estate and underwriting things. I read, you know, Kenny McElroy's books and I was convinced I could do it. 
so I bought a couple apartment buildings, and frankly, the first one I did was went really badly because I thought the only thing I needed to do was read Ken's book and go to LoopNet. That didn't work out so, well. <laughs> so um, uh, the other ones did work a lot better. I, I approached it with a, a team, uh, you know, team kind of um, approach where I had, a, you know, some experts looking at it from the right brokers, the right lenders, the right, you know, people who got involved. And the next several went really well. Um, things were going much better. And at that point, I was getting a little burned out from medicine. And I thought, you know what, I need to I need to tell people about what I'm doing. So. The next thing I did actually was to start a podcast. Now, at this point, I was practicing one day a week uh, in one of the practices, and the rest of it was sort of running, um, you know, with with employees. I had, so, what was I doing outside of that? I was really focusing on real estate, and I was thinking about starting this podcast, which I ultimately did. the The podcast I didn't really have any sort of agenda for starting that, other than the fact that. I liked talking about the things I was learning and how they were applying to my life and that there didn't seem to be any voice that was sort of, you know, high paid professional, uh, interested in personal finance outside of stock funds and mutual funds. It seemed like everything that I was listening to I was talking to people who were in a much different situation than me that were trying to make their first hundred thousand dollars or something like that. And I had made, you know, millions of dollars at this point um, over time. So I wanted to reach out to those, you know, high paid professionals who are making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year at least. And we're, we're trying to get information for themselves. So that's where it started. And then like any entrepreneur, Tom, as you know, I figured out how to create a business around it. And it was very clear to me that the things that I was talking to resonated with uh, with listeners and the show got a great following as well formula. And, um, and I started an investor group because I had a lot of people saying, Hey, this is great, but how can I put this to work? I'm a full-time doctor. I work 50 hours a week. And so that's when we started to, you know, the wealth formula investor group. And so ultimately that became, you know, my equity group became my next business ultimately it morphed into something completely different so no i i think that's you know what the reason i wanted to have you on um was because i think a lot of people think oh well i it's got to be an all or nothing type of thing it's got to be something well i have to be full time into investing you know it's like you know robert's first book was before you quit your job right so, you know, the, yeah. the, the financial education before you quit your job and going, well, but what if you don't want to quit your job? You know, I know a lot yep. of doctors, for example, I mean, you know, you and I have uh, a common clients and, and I know a lot of doctors that they like what they do. They're good at what they do. They like what they do. They don't want to quit what they're doing. They would just like to have a safety net basically. And they'd like to be using all this, this money they're making. They don't want it to just be sitting outside of their control. They want it to be sitting in something right. that will actually produce for them that, that actually does something for them. And, and of course, as, as you well know, <laughs> as, as you and well, I both well know that there's a lot of tax benefits to doing that too. Um, so, you know, when you get involved in investing, and this is something for our listeners that, you know what, one of the things that, I know you've discovered, Buck, is that as you 
as you get out of that stocks, bonds, and mutual funds world, all of a sudden the tax law starts working for you in a completely different way. And then you're a point where the, the tax law is working, really working for you every single day. Oh, it's, it's, it's absolutely insane. So, so you know, you've said a lot of things there that I think are really important, uh, Tom. And I think one is to understand um, a lot of people have this problem in the first place of about, you know, breaking away from conventional financial wisdom, which is stocks, bonds, and mutual funds and the 4% rule and all of these things. Because again, I think that as good students, um, we are trained to listen to curriculum. And when there's no curriculum, we substitute that with conventional wisdom. The problem is the conventional wisdom is often wrong and it's often influenced by, uh, by, by, uh, special interest in this case, uh, w within the case of investing, it's all Wall Street. So, so we kind of just follow what people tell us and do what everybody else is doing. And if we don't do that, we start to feel guilty about it, like we're doing something wrong. I, I think the first step is trying to understand where that comes from, and then trying to be trying to be rational about your own uh, investing and feeling like it's okay. So. What we try to do is, you know, on Wealth Formula, like you, I mean, it's really about an educational approach, right? Now, if you are a high-paid professional and you are making a bunch of money, uh, you know, there's no reason why you have to just hand it over to somebody else. You're a smart person. So when you start hearing about, you know, real estate and tax benefits and stuff like that, you should actually get involved with it yourself. You should start thinking about it. Whether you do something about it, or not, that's totally up to you. But the incredible power of, you know, the math of, of investing in real estate and using the tax laws to your advantage that Tom talks about, they're available to you and they can dramatically uh, change your life. And, and it's really, really just important to do that. And in some ways, that step into that world and accepting it and, you know, following it is not that dissimilar from you know, stepping into an entrepreneurial world, right? You're actually going to do something that sounds a little scary, but has tremendous benefit. No, I, I think that's true, Buck. And and I, what I what I like hearing from you is here's somebody who's a doctor, been a doctor, is um, you know, has has done this. Your clients are the people in your network are all doctors, and yet, you know, what I keep hearing from people's as I say they say well I'm a doctor so I don't get any of these tax benefits which is by the way patently wrong it just means you have the wrong tax advisor in my that's my what what I see and these benefits are available for everybody so it doesn't matter like you said you know a lot of the discussion is towards somebody who's just starting out at you know and they're making 50 or 60 thousand dollars a year a hundred thousand dollars a year these things apply equally to people who make three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year, but all across the board. The great thing is, is that investment principles are the same for everyone, and tax laws are the same for everyone. Everybody has the same choice. What I love about what you know, you and I are kind of we're working together on this. You and through Wealth Formula and and, and me through WealthAbility, and that is to to bring out this awareness that you don't have to do it through the conventional wisdom. That conventional wisdom you're talking about, Buck, is not the only thing that's available. That's what I love about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. When I travel with Robert around the world, he gets stopped 
literally 10 times a day. And it doesn't matter where we are. We could be in Santa Cruz, Bolivia, and he gets stopped three times on the street while we're just walking down the street. People with stories like yours, Buck, where they just say, well, I just had no idea. I had no idea. So creating that awareness and letting people know that, look, there's another way to do this. You can choose. You don't have to do it. You can stay with conventional wisdom if that works for you. You know, I have a son-in-law. It absolutely works for him. He's an employee in a big company, and he invests in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. That works for him. Okay, that's great. The, the idea, though, that there's another option, I think, is, is kind of the big news and, and really something that what you and I are doing is really sharing. Okay, they're showing that it's possible. We're showing how to do it. And I, I love that you're doing. I, I love, um, Buck, of course, I love working with you and, and your members. And I'm sure that there are a lot of our listeners that have similar stories or would like to even have similar stories. So I want to thank you, Buck. Tell us once again where we can um, find more, find out more about what you're doing. You know, I have a podcast, and it's, you know, it's not just doctors. It's pretty much anybody who's a high-paid professional or even small business people, who people who are making multiple, who are making more money. It tends to focus on accredited investors, um, and it's called Wealth Formula Podcast. Obviously, there's wealthformula.com as well. And uh, yeah, I'd love to, you know, love to have new listeners and uh, hopefully just kind of continue to spread the, the message that you and I have, uh, have been trying to spread. That's awesome. Thank you, Buck. And, and remember that, you know, when you really dig into what your path is, right, and your path may be right where you are. It, it absolutely may. If you think that maybe there's another possible path for you and you'd like to dig into that, when you do that, and you start into that whole discovery, you know, self-discovery process, and, and not just personal self-discovery, but business and investing self-discovery, just remember that there are lots of opportunities out there. There's great people to listen to, like Robert and, and, and Buck and, and WealthAbility. And, and, you know, we're out there with a, with a mission to help you. And remember that when you get that kind of financial education, you're always going to make way more money and pay way less taxes. Thanks. We'll see you next time. What if you could discover a simple way to double your profitability in the next 90 days without adding any new clients? That's right. Whether you're a CPA, tax advisor, other tax professional, accountant, bookkeeper, in my newest resource, I will walk you through a simple five-step process that's proven to help you do just that. We have members of our network that have doubled their profitability in 90 days or less. And you can do this too. Now, to get your free copy, just go to wealthability.com slash CPA profit. That's wealthability.com slash CPA P-R-O-F-I-T. Get this new resource so that you can double your profitability in the next 90 days. You've been listening to The Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.